1: And this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So, Speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. All right. Our first guest with us today, we got the man, the myth, the legend, J-Bone.
2: Hey, everybody. How's it going?
1: And also back with us, we got Bugs. You already know what's up. All we right. do. Welcome back to the podcast, guys welcome 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 pleasure to be here quick drink roundtable j bone you want to go first what kind of yeah, beer? yeah
2: i got from founders their porter it's a lovely dark comparable to guinness and more of your stout you know like we talk we beat that horse to death mm-hmm. i felt like that but it is like you say keep it local and it, it is good quality beer For bugs sure. what brings you to the cast tonight
3: i had a, a shorts brew soft prey shandy
2: okay it's almost shandy season too like uh Line and kugels is from wisconsin our neighbor state real good with the summer shandies like a lemon uh one but they have a grapefruit shandy but uh the shandies have been around forever
1: i i actually think i said last time this uh that soft parade uh-huh shandy shandy my wife gets pissed when I say shanty, and she says it's not a thing, but it is. It's an, it's ice, an fish- ice
2: fishing uh, cubicle. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I I might be using it wrong, but don't tell me it's not a word. It is one
2: you use in the winter, and a shanty is something you drink in the summer. But
1: but yeah, so that's soft parade shanty, it's like possibly my favorite yard work
2: beer. They work for the season that they're for, like you said, yard work, gardening, getting the pool together for the kids. That doesn't translate the same way. You wouldn't want this thick winter ale on a 90 degree day. Right. That shandy's not good on December 23rd when we're out Christmas (laughs) shopping, you know? So
1: on the last podcast, I said it was going to be my last day drinking porters and stouts because I tend to get lazy as a beer fan because I just always fall back on the stouts and porters. And when it gets this time of year, they're not readily available. And yeah, who wants to go edge the lawn and then have a nice room temperature porter or something? Yeah, Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, for sure.
1: So I said, I'm going to stay away from them until fall to kind of push myself as a, you know, a beer aficionado. I did commit to it where I didn't bring a dark beer, but I just brought a Bell's Two-Hearted, which is my go-to IPA. So yeah. I, did, I didn't really push the envelope. When when I go to liquor, I'm a whiskey drinker. I prefer bourbon, but any of it will really do. So I just picked this up. It's called Spirits of the Apocalypse, which is...
2: What we're living through, world. What we're living through.
1: Well, that's why I thought it was fitting. I seen that, and I'm like, well, I got to get the spirit of the apocalypse. It's by the the Walking Dead creators, so it's kind okay. of their branded whiskey. It is uh, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey uh, by Skybound. Got us all a little nip of it. What would you guys think? It's very good. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good bourbon.
2: It's got, got that it. nice bite to it, that rye, like that, that true bourbon nip.
3: Yeah, I was uh, you're not de- prepared for it at first. Um,
2: I can't see the, but does it have on? The, does it have a zombie? Does it have anything on the art that way?
1: Uh, it's got the the reaching up like. Okay, zombie and arms. it's
2: like for the people at home, it's in an old west style, like you would see a wanted dead or alive poster. Like it's cool. The font wise, I mean, like
1: seven out
3: of ten. Yeah. I I compare it. I'd say it's like a Buffalo Trace level. I'm digging this uh book collection we got going on. Oh yeah, we're definitely uh steadily
1: building up the studio as we go. Yes. It's starting to look more of a a fitting cave for the podcast as opposed to just a dork dungeon, right, full <laughs> of star Wars and comic book stuff.
2: We'll talk about the the three sixty of it all a lot of that goes back to the beginning. those are things that've been in our like the family library for like some of those books are 20 years old now and like publishing wise some are way more older than 20 years but i mean like those been in like and it's fitting that now we have a show that kind of shows like the internal kind of how it all got started like We've been about the, this. Yeah, yeah, there were movies, there were classes, like some of us that are older like we've been in our thing for a minute but this kind of gives a visual to where where it all came from.
3: One
1: of those books, i got that as a teenager that's decades old. When I was in college, we had to do a speech presentation, and I did my presentation on La Costra Nostra. Yes. Now, you see the professor, even though it kind of giving me this look like, are you seriously doing this on the mafia? But then again, it was really good, and I knew it, and I got an A on that bitch.
2: The whole full circle thing of it all, we've read most of those books cover to cover. You might revisit them and find a guy that is going to be an episode coming up. A library is a part of your home, just like your spice rack, just like your, your liquor cabinet, just like your gun cabinet. A library is part of your home, you know, so. So
1: the goal is to get this room so that it smells like leather-bound books and mahogany.
2: With a touch of Walking Dead whiskey. <laughs> so we're drunk and educated.
1: I want to make sure I take the time. I want to thank Sixpo Sueno for letting us use his music in the intro. And then also friend of the show, Cancer. He did our cover art. Which you could see if you go to his Instagram. It's Eyesbleed Defiance. He does graphic art, photography. He does a little bit of all of it. You can go there. Check, check it out. It's pretty. He's talented. Yeah. Thanks for them. And then while you're on Instagram, you can go follow us on Bad Guy Podcast at Instagram. We'll go ahead and get started. The bad guy that we're covering today is James
4: Lucas. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface final scene. Fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend.
2: nice plain sounding name yeah james c lucas james crittenden lucas aka tex only one nickname is right now or in the uh period okay only one nickname i like it though tex it's simple
1: james lucas was born june 11th 1912 in midland county texas
2: so his name's fitting already
1: well, yeah, because we've had guys that have Texas in the nickname and have
2: never been to Texas. Never even <laughs> been to Texas. Like, Is that part of our show? Like, okay, we're going to find a guy that's called St. Louis Pete. Oh, so I get it. He's from Missouri. Like, nope. He's from Florida. He's never been <laughs> north of Georgia. Like, okay, well, this makes no sense.
1: He went to school in Big Springs, Texas, where he's a standout football player in high school. He was described as being short with a stocky build. Like a fullback type? That's the kind of hard-hitting stuff you get on this podcast. What nobody has ever speculated, and I've done a lot of research. Nobody's ever time to speculate what position James Lucas probably played in high school football.
3: Hopefully, we find this out.
2: Well, he was from Texas, so even in 1912, I'm sure he's pretty fucking good. Like, right. It's it's a requirement. You you go big on Friday nights.
1: He's also described as good looking, but not very talkative, and generally disliked by people that knew him.
2: All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh. Well, the people that know him, and it's not like the people that like he's antisocial towards are put off by him. Like Even the people that know him will think he's an asshole. Like, right. okay.
1: All right, Tex. I got you. When I explain these terms, make sure that you realize this is from an article that I read in a 1936 newspaper. Associates accused him of both bluffing and crawfishing. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's so he's a, a liar and he crawfishes? That's some... Um, 1930s texas ass descriptions of someone
2: because well, i'm pretty versed in the, what things mean and bluffing of course like yeah, a five-year-old can tell you what bluffing is even outside of poker but uh what exactly is the terminology on you had to have looked it up what is crawfishing it's a
1: name for people that back out of stuff uh so i guess crawfish is when they move they move backwards. I wonder if the two went together, bluffing and crawfishing. So he's known
3: for like saying, "I'll show up."
2: I was when I first heard you say that. I'm taking it as backing out, like uh, like a guy that would welch on a bet, that kind of backing out. Or I promise you this as a contractual thing: you pay me up front, and then I don't deliver the goods. I, I was taking that part of the backing out. It's
1: tough to say because it's in high school.
3: That's so... what I was thinking. Oh,
2: okay. So yeah, it probably still, is still like a high school kid. So I don't know what
3: contracts he's signing or anything, but I don't know. He's High school just...
2: kids, though, it could be as simple as, meet me outside at 3 o'clock, motherfucker. All right, bitch, I got you. And then after school, I don't show up to the fight. Basically, It, it didn't sounds... mean that I moonwalked home. I walked home backwards. <laughs> it mean I, I'm i not following through on what I say, so to speak.
3: I would like to see you moonwalk, though.
2: <laughs> All the way home from school, I've done it before.
3: But uh, where, where... I grew
2: up in the Michael Jackson era. It area. just sounds
3: like he's unreliable. That's it.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. He graduates from high school at 17, and he he got a job at an ice plant and then spent a little bit of time working as an apprentice carpenter. He was known by area police as a local gangster, and they'd have a bunch of run-ins with him, but it was always on minor charges. That all kind of changed on March 24, 1931, when he was arrested for robbery and assault, and he was sentenced to five years and sent to Texas
3: State Prison in Huntsville. This is still when he was like 17.
2: So. He's about 19 right now, 20.
1: Well, let's see, this would be 1931. So that would make him 19, right? Yeah. Well, that so makes he's... sense because he graduated at 17, then spent a couple of years dicking
2: around. As all these stories start off, getting his uh, career of crime going, as they say,
3: dipping his toes. Well, he,
2: but he... he did real good. Some of these shit start off like, man, at 11, Charlie just started his long, long life of crime. Like
1: At least at 11, he was just being a dick.
2: At least Tex here, <laughs> here's a grown man finished high school.
3: Right. And, and he, let's give it's him that. a slow workup. But five years for like a robbery and assault? That's kind of, I feel well, like that's a... Well, you got to pick,
2: maybe he's holding up a Texaco or something with a gun. Like In 1931, there wasn't a whole lot of drug
1: convictions and stuff like that. So outside of murder, robbery was kind of the next big one. True. You, mm, you yeah. know what I mean? Well, and anytime you get robbery with an assault, that's either you're strong-armed or you, you rough somebody up. True. True. About a year and a half into his sentence, on July 13th, 1932, he escaped. Now, he ended up getting recaptured a month later on August 24th, and he was given an additional 15 years for robbery and theft for a robbery that he committed while he was out on escape. He actually, with this one, he got caught in a shootout.
2: Wow. He progressed real quick.
3: I was going to say, escaped and just went on a spree. That's intense.
2: Well, we all had a question of the initial one, right? society of high school at at nineteen would get you locked up. Well, did that one maybe that robbery had a gun or something? This one there's a shootout involved, so there's no doubt he's <laughs> he's in gunplay here. Right.
1: So. Yeah, we definitely escalated to guns. Well, in the '30s, this was the heyday of robbing shit. This is where you got. This is
2: your Bonnie and Clyde legends, your machine, uh, Babyface Nelson, your you know,
1: uh, Johnny Dillinger, like all. That's when we was robbing
2: motherfuckers. Yeah. In the romanticism, we mentioned that on this cast a lot too, like where we loved Al Capone, we loved Bonnie and Clyde, they were just like little Robin Hoods.
1: He gets sent back to Huntsville State Prison, and there he met a notorious bank robber named Frank Red Callan. Now them two kind of hit it off in prison, and they pailed around for a couple years, until they put together an escape plan. And the two of them narrowly escaped under gunfire on June fourteenth, nineteen 1934.
2: He's not locked down much on the second one. What do you do, about a year and a half, two years?
1: Uh, Yeah, almost exactly a year and a half. Fuck. Well, so each time he seems like he's got a pattern, like, because I rounded up or down, but he's between a year and a half to two years. But it's time.
2: good that he's not pinned down, like, he don't go in in 30 and then escape in 1950 where there's a 20-year gap. He's... To put it in their times, he's not getting out now. There's cell phones and laptop shit that wasn't there when he he's pretty much when he escapes, it's the same world as when he went in.
3: Right so. What I don't get, it seems like every dude we cover, they get locked away for some time, and they always escape. So like, I just don't understand how many people really escape from these prisons at that time. Cause like, I know it's more than just James Lucas escaping. Just uh, the amount of escapes
1: we've covered on this podcast, and some of these guys, you just can't hold them down
2: there
3: has has to be more than but the the,
2: world you live in now where like you go to a a county correctional facility to pick up a homeboy getting let out there's barbed wire fences 30 feet high cameras guys with guns they had guns back then but it was as simple as it's kind of in the country so let's go put a hole in that wall and those four guys that live in that cell can walk out the hole now there's no walls you could go put a hole in right now like down at the wayne county you might get through one wall to get to four more walls, but you know, it's all like the Pentagon now.
1: A lot of these guys we cover are the reason things are the way they are right. now, like all these escapes, these makes them adjust.
2: Right around their time, these guys escaped. That's why the Alcatraz was made. Like, you know what? Let's put that shit on an island surrounded by cold water and sharks. Then if they get away from us, they're getting into that water. And pretty much besides those three guys, the myth, you know, nobody really ever escaped.
3: The prisons are doing their monthly report like, huh, we only lost 20 prisoners this month, so um, yeah, good job. Not too bad.
2: It's like their census. They're just worried about their funding. Like, hey, we still get this many meals and this many striped outfits.
1: So they escape, and then James Lucas and Frank Callen go their separate ways, partners up with this guy named Jack Harden, who he used to pal around with before he stepped up his criminal game. Yeah. And they went on a bit of a robbing streak, which ended when they got busted after a shootout at the First National Bank in Albany, Texas. Him and Jack Harden both got charged with robbery, as well as violating the Dyer Act, which the Dyer Act is taking a stolen car across state lines. Okay. It made it a federal crime.
3: Doesn't seem like he gets away very clean. So far, it's like, yeah, he had a spree, but got caught in a shootout. He tried to rob a bank with this dude and...
2: Icon a shootout. Yeah.
1: He tends to get caught. <laughs> Jeez. Not only did he violate the Dirac Act, but this time he robbed the First National Bank.
2: That money's federally protected, so it's a triple whammy.
3: Right. So the two of them... But it's cool, though, because he can just walk out the prison once he gets there.
2: Yeah, if they send him to the same mud hut, he's cool.
1: <laughs> now they're on a federal trial. And while the two of them, they held the two of them together, which I, that never makes sense. Like these guys are already partners in crime. Like the first thing you got to do when you put them in jail is separate these guys. Yeah. I would imagine.
2: In real life, too. Well, I mean, this was real life back then, but now modern times. Me and you get busted federally. You're going to Leavenworth. I'm going to Sing Sing. Like we're not even going to be nowhere in the same state. We're going to two different big houses.
1: Right. Since they were on trial, they were held. They were in Fort Worth County, so they were still in county during this. But they were together. Together,
2: like yeah. yeah. Where they could plan and conspire.
1: The two of them come up with an escape plan, and they made an escape attempt with a small metal shank, a razor blade mounted to a piece of wood, and a wooden pistol painted black. The wooden pistol painted black had already been attempted earlier that year by Johnny Dillinger, who successfully did it in January.
2: And that that's so famous of him. That was in those old black and white movies. That yeah. part is in the movie. Like That's yeah. a very well-known thing. He escaped from Crown
1: Point, Indiana prison with a wooden gun, but that's also one of these things you can't fool me, fool me once, you can't fool me right. again, so it didn't work, yeah. and basically when it came down to a draw, they were like, hey, we don't think that's a real gun. Watch me throw it at you. So the escape attempt ends up getting foiled, and they were both held separately in solitary confinement until after the trial.
2: Yeah, you guys want to try and escape? Now we're going to separate you. mm mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. The two of them both got sentenced to 30 years in federal prison, in addition to 128 years that they had acquired in the Texas state penal system that they had detainments on.
2: Well, that's cool. He's only going to be 152 when he gets out now, so he's going to be fine.
1: (laughs) James Lucas and Jack Harding were both sent to Leavenworth. And then in January 1935, the both of them were transferred from Leavenworth to Alcatraz Prison.
2: Oh, two previously just mentioned prisons that come up in this story.
1: Leavenworth's kind of like one of the go to maximum security federal prisons,
2: and Alcatraz was the new thing then. Like, hey, you guys escape a lot? Try and get out of here, because even if you do, you're going into the shark tank. Like, (laughs) year round cold, shark infested water. Even if the sharks in the cold weren't there, it's a far swim to get to San Francisco. It's not impossible, but it's very difficult. If you crawl through a ship pipe. 10 miles to get out to the cold water, and then you got to swim from. You could see San Francisco from Alcatraz, but like to swim to it, like you could see from here, you could see yeah, Canada right. from Detroit, jump in the Detroit River. Like that's a shorter swim. You probably ain't making it because the undertow and whatnot. Like,
1: for the record, I believe both the Diaz brothers swim from Alcatraz to the beach like once a year. And now
2: they do it like they'll have it buoyed up. There's people in boats. Like, yeah. so the motors are making noise, and they're like a big group of, like, those uh, diathletes. Yeah, or it's one of those, triath- like, Iron Man Yeah, so though. they all jump in there, and they swim over. But you're in safety. You know, right. one lone great white that can kill you isn't going to attack 300 grown men swimming Sweet. all in unison. Me, you, and fucking Gus Earl there fucking escape at 3 in the morning. Psh, easy prey.
1: Well, and we all know that the only person to ever escape the rock
2: is Sean Connery well anti-aircraft missiles couldn't take sean connery down so
1: alcatraz it was a former military fort it actually kind of was built up into a uh, military fort in like 1846 and it was officially converted to a federal prison in august 11th 1934 it was a maximum security location designed to hold prisoners who continuously caused trouble in other prisons and
2: primarily consisted of murderers and bank robbers. AKA public enemy number one. That's who's going there. <laughs> the worst of the worst. The worst of the but the big names. Your El Capone, your Babyface Nelsons. Who, if you had one of them names, machine you gun got Kelly, caught, like a famous name, that didn't name any old gangster, you were going there if we caught you, because it's unescapable.
1: Especially if you're a motherfucker that's trying to run all the time, which he's not good at getting away. He's decent at not being held down. Right. He's a fullback. Yeah. Right. He can't break it in the open field, but he sure get through that line of scrimmage.
3: We really take we
1: can take anything back to football. Yeah. As far as correction facilities go, the staff was considered the highest level, and most of their training was geared towards security as opposed to rehabilitation.
2: You picture in the movies like that one dickhead from Shawshank Redemption, or just any brutal type cop. Like that's, that's what all, they that the them. whole force was them. Brian Dennehy and Rambo fucking with John Jay, a whole fucking fleet of them.
1: All right, we're going to take us a real quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Genocide and we all chiefs. More solid than Nostradamus's ominous forecast. Spittin in I'm spitting in all caps, you listening all facts? I'm talking about air strikes, ranks, mines, missiles, tanks, kids and bandanas and masks, waving pistols and racks. We'll overthrow the government one day. Matter of fact, grab a gun, we'll see you next Sunday. I'm the antithesis of conformity. I can weather the storm, storm like the beach of Normandy. I'ma ring the alarm light. My blood is thicker than boat rope.
1: Thanks for listening. Just real quick, want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Go to Apple iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and leave us a review, and we'll read it on the show. If you have any questions, comments, or a guy that you would recommend we cover, you can email us at sayhello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com. We also want to thank Sixfo Sueno for letting us use his music in the intro. You can subscribe to him on YouTube, and also a friend of the show, Cancer. He's got an art, photography and graphic design page at Eyesbleed Defiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song Blood from his album Grenades, Pistols and Rape Whistles. Now back to the show.
3: All right, and we're back. Back and better than ever.
1: We left off, he'd been transferred over to Alcatraz. He was the type of prisoner that Alcatraz was designed for. Yeah. People that won't act right no matter where you put them. It was predominantly murderers, bank robbers, and violent offenders. When James Lucas arrived on Alcatraz, he was 22 years old. He developed quickly into a vicious and violent prison. Uh, he was known to be a troublemaker and ascended quickly in hierarchy of prisoners. Him and a handful of other guys planned a couple riots, and then they organized on January 20th, 1936, a prisoner strike
2: oh that's a big that's a real event like i remember like are they burning the paper and have the mattresses up against the cells they're
1: all real fucking events well no like i mean
2: (laughs) what i mean like for the people at home is they're real um popular events if yes they're all real events like i do word it as though it's like he's talking about a fiction like a movie like oh this happened in real life too bro like yes i'm telling you about it right now asshole
1: Outside of him playing fullback <laughs> All of this is actually 100%
4: real
2: um, I'm just vetting your stories For you like <laughs> this guy he knows His shit over here This time they started, started the strike and the strike Worked better
1: because they all just stopped Showing up for work It started off in the laundry room first uh, Quickly spread to the kitchen Eventually nobody showed up to work at the kitchen And the the Big bully corrections officers that are there For security and to beat badasses had to work the kitchen because none of the, the people that were supposed to work it would show yeah. up. Yeah,
2: Gunther came in and said, what? No fucking ZD? <laughs> like...
1: The strike goes into February, and up to 120 prisoners stopped working. How they ended up busting it eventually, they locked down all these all the different groups, they just lock them down in their cell. Like, if you went on strike and you wouldn't show up for work, they just lock you down in your cell. To break up the groups, they would interview the guys one at a time. The only grievance that was consistent was lack of privileges. Which, obviously, it's Alcatraz, so the place fucking sucked. Right. So that was the major complaint, was lack of privileges. But any of them, nobody would, they all refused to return to work, because once it became a strike, whoever would come to work first would be, like, a rat. Right. Yeah. You know, like out here in the real world, we call them scabs
2: or Yeah, they're not bringing in scab prisoners to do your work. So the first one of you that agree with them, over here, as civilians, when those scabs cross our picket line, we want to bust them in the head. Same thing there. If you, me and him telling you, like, look, stick together as prisoners, you go to work to appease them, like, me me and him are going to beat the shit out of you. Like, you cross the picket line, basically. Even though we are the other end of the picket line, they're not going to bring in scab replacements, you're being, like, their version of a scab by...
1: If we, if we don't put up with scab labor, prisoners are going to handle that the exact same way, but just accelerate the violence on it.
2: And I can't turn around and tell you guys, my brethren, like, dude, they really needed the laundry done. I had... Who's going to do the sheets, man? <laughs> When's this strike going to end? You know, we got to get back to work. We got to open up our prison.
1: Lucas was integral to the, the planning and participation of the strike. How they ended up busting it eventually first, they didn't feed them. So when the strike first started, they locked all those guys down. It was on a Monday, and they didn't feed them till Thursday. And on Thursday, they only brought them bread. So once they tried to starve them out, a big group of them, they went on a hunger strike. So then they wouldn't work and they wouldn't eat. So then they became a medical concern. At this point, they got them all locked down separately, so they can't communicate to get on the same page and how to strike. Right. So half of them were starving, and the ones that were starving and begging for food they wouldn't feed them. The ones that would refuse the food and went on a hunger strike, they would force feed them with tubes, where they'd shove these tubes down their throat and just pour, like, force the food down their throat. Wow. So it was kind of crazy that they beat the strike by force feeding them and starving them, just because, due to lack of communication, the prisoners couldn't get on the same page of what was going on. So half of them were being tortured because they were starving, and the other half...
2: Being tortured because <laughs> they were eating.
1: Yeah, they were being forced to eat. I don't know if you've ever seen or heard much about how they force people to eat in those hunger strikes, but it's pretty fucking brutal.
3: It doesn't sound fun. You said they shove a tube down there and just,
2: yeah. Yeah. Picture Zero Dark Thirty, like that would be how you drink your water, like the waterboarding. (laughs) And that's the same thing, except we're doing it with food. Get a food, a tube down there, and then we're putting it right all the way down past your throat into your stomach.
1: Well, we do that to fucking geese to blow up their liver to eat some expensive pate or something, yeah. don't we?
2: It's worse than solitary confinement. I'll say that.
1: So eventually, due to isolation, limited ration, and forced feeding, they end up breaking the strike in uh, February. But one notable prisoner that did not participate in the strike who worked in the laundry area, the Birdman, was Al Capone. Ooh, uh, Uncle Al. Most of the other inmates were furious with him and then some even started talking about that he tipped off the warden that a strike was going to happen. It doesn't seem like El Capone, you know, ratted him out on the strike. It just seems like more like he was a very different prisoner and he was kind of used to doing his own thing. Yeah,
2: like kind of like we talked about earlier, like breaking the monotony of the day. Look, we're stuck here, asshole. This little going to the laundry room is my thing. Yeah. Well, Us striking, we're not getting no new collective bargaining. There's no point to our strike. For my little bit of peace of mind that Uncle Al had left at this, I'm going to go do the laundry. We're yeah. not getting anywhere with the strike. Number two, the other 304 guys that were there that thought they were real angry with him... Not one of the 304 guys went and said, Al, we think you're a piece of shit. <laughs> Nobody said shit to this dude. Even the guards, they were like, look, dude, laundry, Like, you guys are striking. There's no laundry. Give me some sheets to fold. Well, okay, here's some sheets <laughs> to fold. Like,
1: James Lucas didn't like that. The riots didn't work, so the strike was kind of his baby, and the strike gets busted. One day, James Lucas is in line to get his hair cut, and the barber was 10 feet from the laundry area where El Capone was working. <laughs> June 23rd, 1936, James Lucas stole a pair of scissors, broke them in half, ran over to the laundry room, and stabbed Al Capone in the back with a pair of scissors. The ensuing fight, Al Capone was also slashed across the chest and had stab wounds and slashes on uh, his hands.
2: That's probably how he got his third most famous, you know, one of his nicknames, Scarback. You heard of that?
3: (laughs) Dang, so, dude, our dude...
2: I feel like um, like Al Capone. When, when we let off the story, a lot of these, because they're a little more obscure, it was right on pace. I had never heard of the guy or whatever. I feel like just Uncle Al knowing as much lore about – I didn't know of his stabbing in the back when he was – and I know about his time in Alcatraz, him being what you would call a model prisoner, which is crazy, because this is – right here in 34, this is at the height when Al's still going this way. Right. When you get to the crazy Uncle Al – where he's got the schizophrenia, the, the syphilis, syphilis uh, his, he's getting dementia at the Miami where they just let him die in his mansion. Like, hey, he's he's still, like fishing he's in harmless. his pool. He's harmless, yeah. Right here, he still respect. He's that guy. that That's the Scarface, you know? I didn't know that this little guy, I didn't know Tex fucking uh, was, was a little say. halfback ass, fucking jumped up there and fucking stabbed him. Shit.
1: He thought, like, you know what? A pair of scissors ain't going to work. It'll be much more vicious if I break the scissors. Well, then you turn,
2: it's a pair of scissors if I stab you with a pair of scissors and I got them two double blades to go through. When they break them in half, because back then they had nice, solid steel scissors. So when you break them in half, now you have what's called a fucking knife. Right. (laughs) In prison. Yes. You know, everything you're talking about is true. But the problem
1: was Al Capone's big adjustment was once he got on that rock on Alcatraz, his gang wasn't there. And these were all terrible guys, but he still kind of had that uh, aura. Al Capone is a legit thug. You know, he's not like Paul Castellano or some soft guy. But he had been in a leadership role for pushing a decade at that point. And he just kind of was, at that point, a guy that didn't relate to these common guys. James Lucas, this is some guy that just had a bunch of failed robberies
3: in Texas. Possibly concussed.
2: He comes with body counts that are like, even though where he's in leadership positions, he comes with like your four star generals' body. Oh, for like, sure. Okay, like you, even though if you were in a leadership position, you're coming from like you controlled 300 hits. Yeah. I've only, I'm a good hit man. I've only killed 17 people. That guy, we respect him. Like right. Texas, like boy, let me break these scissors, boy. Get over here. I'm gonna get this Italian mother. <laughs> I'm trying to start the workers' party in this prison. Like, <laughs> hey, hey, dude. You know who that fucking dude is? <laughs> right, you. Who oh, that the fucking toll. dude is? You got no fucking
3: god. Like, dude, do you know how famous El Capone is? Like, do you know how famous I am for Friday night football? How <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet. Like, apparently you've never been
1: to a a Big Springs football game down there in Texas, but
2: like, El Bundy deal. uh scored four touchdowns against Polkai one day. Like,
3: <laughs> oh. like, dude, you you haven't successfully robbed a bank yet. Like, El Capone ran Chicago. <laughs>
1: Afterwards, there was a quote, a guy that we had mentioned earlier that was doing time with both Lucas and Capone at the same time, was George Kelly Barnes,
2: okay, Machine yeah.
1: Gun Kelly. And he had a quote that the
2: said... The rap God? Oh, <laughs>
1: Oh. No, the rap devil.
2: The rap devil, yes.
1: With the crooked horns, which is weird. Yeah. yeah. So Machine Gun Kelly quote was... Capone was an okay guy, but he didn't realize coming into Alcatraz that it really was the worst of the worst. Men you didn't order it around. He wasn't the boss no more. And Lucas wasn't anybody to be played with.
3: So sure. like you said, he just didn't really relate. Like, he was a different inmate than that. Yeah. But I think that's crazy. Like Lucas went to Alcatraz and he's kind of the big dog there. Because... You're
2: 22. You're big, Texas strong. You're putting your muscle more than your brain. Right. Which like you're at the optimum age when you're like 35 when you're as strong as strong as you could be but you can also think your way through so like text man he's 22 he's like man boy, I'm t- tell you what put me on this island i'm gonna run this island <laughs> he's out there starting to start fucking like workers rights and like hey jimmy hoffa fucking pipe down i know how to get this strike let's just not eat here show some fucking cheeseburgers down this tube we're force feeding <laughs> you now like there <laughs> well, like he, he mentioned it one time and it, it, it's such an underscore though like The cops there weren't there to police actions or be your friend or help the old lady get the fucking cat out the tree. They were there to beat you with a stick if you don't do what the fuck you're told.
1: When questioned, Lucas' quote on his defense was, he threatened to kill me too. With this fight, he was sent to solitary confinement. He lost 3,600 days worth of good time that could have been put towards the end of his uh, federal time. Damn. 3,600 days? 3,600
4: days. Dude about Fuck. 10 years wow god damn
1: they didn't kill him there's a lot of reports that in the fight while still getting stabbed up that El Capone had held his own because El Capone was also 250 pounds and did some boxing training and was a thug so right when he stabbed El Capone that was old El Capone but him at 22 he would have been like the James Lucas running that prison. He's just a different person at this time.
2: And I made the joke about calling Uncle Al scar back. Like, when he got the scar in his face, it was from a straight razor. Somebody coming at that dude that cut his face got pretty fucked up. Al was no, like, he was no stock boy at a grocery store. He right. was he a came up, to be reckoned with.
3: Clearly, he's in Alcatraz.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, he's not like Paul Castellano. Some of these guys lucked their way to the top. Not lucked their way, but you know what I mean? He scrapped through the Chicago fucking Prohibition Wars and yeah. earned his way. So now he loses all this year off his bid. So he kind of realizes, well, I just lost 10 years. I'm never going to get out of here now. So Lucas puts together a little gang. He's got two guys a guy named Whitney Franklin, who's a, a bank robber, and a guy named Thomas Limerick, who's a kidnapper. He puts together a little gang and they come up with an escape plan. So they start casing the joint. And in May of 1938, they enacted their plan. They had a manufacturing wing. There was an officer named Royal C. Klein who was unarmed because he was inside of the
2: prison. Yeah, because the prisoner could get your gun. You, if you were down there, you would have me up at the tower with a rifle. I'm basically what should be in your holster. As soon as I see somebody coming at you, I, I shoot them in the head. I don't say, hey, stop, get away from that officer. I shoot you yeah. in the head. So James Lucas beats Royal C. Klein
1: to death with a claw hammer. Now, the three of them, they escaped through a window where they climbed to the roof, and the plan was to incapacitate an armed guard, take his gun, and then use that gun to get through checkpoints to go rob the boat and then escape on the police boat. But as soon as they got to the roof, uh, there's Officer Harold Stites. As soon as he seen him, he just opened fire. And he shot Thomas Limerick in the head right off the bat.
2: Did I just mention that? We're not here to fucking restrain you. We are here to pick heads off.
1: Yeah. And then he shot Rufus Flanken, too. Thomas Limerick died on the spot. And then James Lucas, basically an ensuing shootout, just ended up surrendering. Now, that officer, Harold Stites, he ended up getting killed like ten years later or eight years later. In the 1946 escape attempt, that's now known as the Battle of Alcatraz, James Lucas and Rufus Franklin got—they both got tried and convicted of the murder of Royal client and sentenced to life in prison. They were both sent to solitary confinement, where Lucas did six years. He gets released and he is a model prisoner. Uh, several years later, he was transferred out of Alcatraz, and then he ended up getting paroled in 1958. I guess basically, most of the way he got paroled, his mom—it started like a letter-writing campaign writing letters to like governors and stuff like that, like trying to work her way up the chain to get him paroled out of prison. And he did the work on his end and acted like a model prisoner. 1958, he got paroled. He was briefly in prison at McNeil Prison for parole violation, but received a presidential commutation and was released. Lucas got married and had 10 children and got a job in the oil business. He spent the rest of his life as a law-abiding husband, and he died on November 28th. 1998
3: at 86 years old dang wow you said you had 10 children so i mean there's gotta be one of them that turned to be a criminal
1: <laughs> mm, yeah so right we, we've done this show long enough to do the math and oh that one of those is gonna be a bad guy
2: it's an odd twist uh for real after being in prison and losing all that good time and then just prior to that you had stabbed uncle al with the scissors kill a cop with a claw hammer and all that and then Mom's writing letters, and it works. Like, well, hold on. Since we've had him locked up, he's started a worker riot, stabbed Uncle Al, fucking clawed a fucking deputy to the... Listen, his his mom really wants him out, all right? We should listen
3: to her.
1: That's, that's insane. I've seen this article by one of his kids, and due to the fact that his mom was able to secure a presidential commutation, when he died, James Lucas was technically not guilty of anything. Really? Yeah.
3: Well, at least, I don't know, it took a different turn because, like, normally these people get out of prison and they just find some other way to stay in the life. It seems like, he died a regular human. Let's see,
1: he gets out in 1958, he was born in 1912. Twelve. So that's what? That's 46 years old, right? You get a job on the oil field, you
2: marry an old Which lady. Which is rough, rough fucking work. To be a roughneck at. starting out at 45, like,
1: yeah. Ouch. It's, de- it's decent money though the oil business oh, it's, is good, it's real
2: good money but it's made for a guy of, it's for what you do from 18 to like maybe 30 ish he grew up as a fullback in texas he was built for <laughs> that
1: we're working on an oil rig we're all tough guys yeah Which who here's
2: to stab Bell capone who of you have fucking claw hammered a fucking deputy like well i guess you win Then i'm, yeah. I'm good
1: just some guy named el capone no the Al capone motherfucker
2: because now and there's a and when he's that age and he's out of jail there's a tv show called the untouchables about elites that can't touch el capone like there's movie the Al capone movies are coming out now oh, like, you stabbed that dude some like little, oh shit some little dummy just attacked him while he's doing laundry
1: you know earlier on you
2: said like he's
1: robbing all these banks but he's not really getting away you know yeah like he did a lot of shit but yeah even when he jumped capone yeah didn't kill him
2: might have poss- even lost. Possibly Un- lost the unsuccessful fight. his uh putting the Labour Party together in the prison. after the ro- the strike hey. ended, it, the work conditions stayed the same. They just had to go back to work. Like nothing changed. At least if Jimmy Hoffa and those guys had you out there getting your head cracked, it was a different world we were going there was something to fight for. Hey, the world we're going back to now is just the same if not worse. Right. And Charlie got force fed and <laughs> now they're uh, pissed. You said yeah.
3: you said his highlight was stabbing Capone. I was, his highlight was probably his mom getting him out of prison. Like, well, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, a, a presidential commutation from uh,
1: it was uh, it was Nixon because it was he was already out of prison when he got it.
2: Oh, so, so it was after the fact, okay. Which, uh, like, there's something there because like how he was in the oil. I'm already putting something together where he's in oil. There was a big fat fucking envelope involved too because. Well, you know what? You gave me 250 grand, which is probably like a couple million back then, because I'm not fucking pardoning you. You fucking claw hammered a fucking cop. Like, You're not how, a good guy. How right. would I look on paper? Like oh, 300 grand in 1950s money? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. and
3: Nixon was probably our shadiest president though, so you might have <laughs> took you might have took a bribe. well i mean what's the quote absolute power corrupts absolutely absolutely.
2: like i mean we all have that dream of wanting to be like the rob snow like no i want to be a a good king like there's no such thing as so if you have all the power make any law you want have any gold you want have any land you want you end up being somewhat of a tyrant even if you're the nicest softest tyrant even if you're a charlemagne-esque type absolute power will corrupt you absolutely there's no getting around it might take you longer you might have a longer arc you might have less of a corruption at the end of what you take like Tex has a problem in here because like or Al he runs shit so long so when he gets there he doesn't know how to take orders. so I'm just gonna go do laundry to be my own after you run the whole world like nobody could be above you except like a god like well. It's, it would be hard to even like for the saints to not be corrupt. Like, fuck, man, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, and that's the judgment. I guess everybody of
3: just back. needs a little text
2: to stab him in the back, right? You know? So maybe he does deserve a pearl. Yeah, <laughs> technically
1: he's just he's out there doing God's work. You know, everybody, everybody's <laughs> got to be broken down that peg every once in a while. You know, I think that's uh, how I'm gonna live my life. That's that's my new life lesson.
2: One pair of scissors at a time. <laughs>
1: everybody needs that text to stab you in the back when you get a little too Al Capone, absolutely, at 22 years old, would have been leading that fucking strike. You know what I mean? Yeah, he would have been leading Alcatraz, he'd have been leading that strike, and then now he's just not as vicious. Uh That's the story of James Tex Luke. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Come on.
0: The last time you're gonna see a bad guy like this again,
1: let me tell you. When we cover these stories, a lot of these guys start to overlap. If we were gonna cover someone else... From this
3: episode, is there anybody you guys picked? El Capone? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Probably uh, MGK, maybe. Maybe a little more into that. Or uh, his first dude that he was running with that he met in prison. Red. Uh, I think covering Red would be interesting because it's the second dude who we like might not know who could be good to cover. They kind of ran together for a it's little bit. Jack Harden. And they both went to yeah, Jack Harden.
2: And they both. Jack went Harden. I was fearing why I didn't pick him. I was. That sounds like a name. I think Jack Harden actually is somebody in history. Okay. I'm not sure. Wait, uh, Red. Yes, they're all fucking people in history, dude. That How was, many times could... with a wait, rich history? Jack Carter uh, was real life. With like some Jesus a story God. that's known. Let me explain this podcast to you. It's all fucking. Real. I didn't make up none of these guys. <laughs> they're real. But
3: uh, Red, him and Red, after they got out, they kind of just went their separate ways. So I mean, it would kind of be cool to hear about it, and their stories won't really intertwine as much. So, like yeah. they could have a different path.
1: That's good, so yeah. Frank Red Callan. Plot twist: uh, he's the one that creates Frank Redhog. <laughs> that'd be so fucking <laughs> badass. In Alcatraz, they called machine gun Kelly Pop Gun Kelly because they said without a machine gun he wasn't very gangster at all. He was kind of like a model prisoner type guy. He didn't didn't want no smoke. Yeah. Like he wasn't give him a Tommy gun. He's machine gun Kelly. Take away that and lock him in
3: Alcatraz. He
2: was just a normal pussy.
3: He's he's folding sheets with El Capone. <laughs> right. Like, hey, I don't know. That James Lucas is crazy, huh? You probably shouldn't (laughs) fuck with him. I wouldn't fuck with
1: him. Look at that look in his eye. So now we got to cast this. Say we're going to make a movie about James C. Lucas. Now, you guys haven't seen a picture yet. I got one ready to go on the picture here. If we were going to make a movie about James Lucas, who would you cast to play him before we show the picture?
2: All right, I'm going to shoot first. I'm going to say short, stocky. Only thing that comes to mind. I mean, there's. A bunch of short, but the stockiness, because I want this guy to be have, like, a a bod that's at least worth of a Texas uh, football player. I'm going to say Mackie Mack. Mack Wahlberg.
3: <laughs> I like that. Mackie I Mack. So. I think, uh, I don't know. He doesn't fit the short description, but I'm going uh, Hugh Jackman. Like, the Wolverine, Hugh Jackman
1: well that could be two straight roles because wolverine is also supposed to be short hugh jackman is six two right wolverine is five four and i pulled it off so we could give him back-to-back badass roles where he is well in
2: this movie particular, mark Wahlberg is the 22 year old him and then like when he's old man logan he's just fucking hugh jackman
3: well i can see him walking around like the mean type don't talk much like He's when he's, very, he's, when he's on the oil him, field, he's
2: got the fucking Wolverine chops and the fucking, like, he's all grizzled, like, looks like old man Logan. But now if I really wanted to,
3: I didn't, only because you talked about how uh, Tom Hardy's coming out with an El Capone movie pretty soon. But going with Tom Hardy, like, dude, well, you the, would have been Fury Consistent Road all hear is mm-hmm. short-worded, mean-looking dude, possibly ignorant, like.
1: Yeah, Ma- Mad Max in Fury Road, like, yeah, Tom Hardy as Mad Max yeah. in Fury Road. Just play that character as James Lucas, and just because I mentioned them, yeah, like. Well,
3: well, that's the problem, though. Is it's been like the 10th time Tom, yeah,
1: Tom been... Hardy. Yeah, Tom Hardy. Anytime the guy's not tall, <laughs> hey, Tom Hardy.
3: Here's a picture of uh, James Lucas. There's two.
2: There's okay. well, Marky of Mark's not that far off. I
3: was thinking that that's pretty spot on. Wait, in the in the first picture to my left, which one is he? He's uh the guy in, in the, the middle. middle. Okay. Would he be the guy behind that guy? That's what I was thinking about. That's why I asked. Yeah, looking down, this guy? Because on my right... Well, like, so
2: this one, to be in this guy's group of shit when you look it up, this is a bad picture to throw in there of that this guy, because he's in four, a shot of four guys, and he's like the f- number four. He's barely in that picture. He's barely there. Like.
3: Well, because um, the dude that we first thought it was, he is that dude is short compared to the guy that's uh, yeah. escorting him, but that makes sense, because that dude is real short back there, and... That's why I asked, is because like that's who I thought it was at first. Yeah, that makes sense because, and you can see it? he might be actually pretty stocky because in this picture of his mugshot, he don't got no neck. Got <laughs>
2: Fullbacks no neck. are all neck.
1: <laughs> well, that that's Texas. Texas, uh, you tip tra- traditionally don't come with a neck.
2: Right. That's why they have the Texas neck roll.
1: So, well, look, so I like uh I like the Mark Wahlberg thing, but this is what I want. I don't want it to be like a really really good movie. I want Mark Wahlberg to play Tex but with his Boston accent. like okay. I, I want him to, you know what I mean? Like, remember back in the and day... Has, Sh-
3: had Ben Affleck directed it, would be horrible.
1: Sean Connery, every role he's ever played, he just does the Scottish accent. Like, yeah. ah, <laughs> fuck it, just work with it, I don't know what to tell you. Kind of, uh, Arnold, back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. There's all these Arnold 80s movies, nobody's even questioning the fact that he's an Austrian bodybuilder with an accent, like we
3: just pretend <laughs> like it's super normal. You gotta clip out that part where I said Ben Affleck will direct it, it'd be horrible. Yeah. Because Ben Affleck is a good director. He's a bad actor. I, right. I noticed that as soon as I said that.
1: I was thinking that because, yeah, his directed roles are really good. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, I think we have to go with Mark Wahlberg. I agree. So now we got to do the DEFCON scale. Now, standard DEFCON scale is 5 to 1. 5 being the lowest, 1 being the highest. But on the Bad Guy podcast, nobody's a good guy. 5 would be Lee Murray who is your crack-dealing, kidnapping, bank robber. And one would be the Purple Gang, who has multiple massacres, multiple gang wars, and they're killing people on the street. So, on a scale of Lee Murray
3: to the Purple Gang, where would you rate James Lucas? Uh, I'm going to go with a five. I feel like his story was, uh, was interesting, and I liked it, but he wasn't good at anything. Like, he... Yeah, you robbed a couple banks. Cool. You got in a couple shootouts. You didn't really kill nobody. You went to prison only because you escaped. I don't know. You stabbed El Capone in the back. You I mean it? You stabbed him in the back. You had a free shot and didn't succeed. Anything? Uh, I'm just giving him a five. Yeah, Mom, you get him out of jail and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I feel.
1: I kind of wish I'd went first because I feel like that. Affected my <laughs> automatically affected my number, like that took one off my numbers. And said, you said, Mommy got him out of jail.
2: I don't know. I feel like five for me would be like if he had some nice, good qualities, like which he didn't. He didn't have much of a body of work, but like he had a good body of work. But like his age, he starts off his career crime after high school, so from 17 all the way up to around 40 ish. And there was some dirt in there, but. Like, he has a whole other 40, 45 years he lived to he's like 90 without doing any crime. Just claw hammering the the cop alone gets him on the away from five, you know, puts him on. He's not up there with a two or a one, but I'm going to give him a three.
3: Like a bad guy? I feel like he's a scummy dude. Yeah. I agree,
1: but here's why. Hear me out. So we're just going to crack the, when he gets paroled and is good for the 40 years or whatever, starts right. a family, whatever. Whack that off the story. It's yeah, irrelevant. Okay. So just as a criminal, I feel like he had poor execution, but he was kind of vicious and bad. Like, so he tried to kill Al Capone. He just wasn't good at it. He tried to rob banks. He wasn't good at it. I feel like it's not always about body count. I feel like he would have had a bigger body count. If he was better at what he did and had right. a
2: better crew, he seemed to like run with some joke. Cause like when he first lands at Alcatraz, he's like recognized as a leader organizer. So imagine if this kid didn't grow up in Texas, if he was from New York or Chicago, he might've been
1: uncle Al or, you Right, know. I think he was vicious and you said scummy. I think he's a bad guy. Yeah. He had like, the
2: heart for it. That's just, what scummy he, is. Like you got the heart to be,
1: well, that's why I give him a three because body of work, He's got a five body of work, but it's to poor execution, not for lack of effort. He right. wanted to be a violent he wanted to be a more violent guy. He definitely did. I'm going to go with a 3 and it probably is the worst 3 ever cuz we're yeah. we're putting a guy at 3 with a, a
3: body count of 1. Yeah. I I don't know. Like like you said taking that out of the story, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The ending, I just think you said it at the beginning I really just don't like him. Like, you're telling these stories, and I'm just like, really, dude? Come on. Oh, come on. Well, it was rocky for me. Well, I I'd can't... rather hear about him playing football in Texas.
1: Most of his story can be brought back to he was generally disliked by people that know him.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: So, that was the second bullet point we hit, right? Now that we got to know him... We I don't d- like him. I don't like him either. Right. Yeah. He's just an unlikable dude. Either way, he's going to land... It doesn't got to make sense because we go with the MMA scoring system. And the MMA scoring system is the worst scoring system available. Right. But that would make it a majority decision three. Zach, this is Crystal Palace. Sink Narad no has declared DEFCON 3. Scramble all alert aircraft. I repeat, scramble all alert aircraft.
3: And I mean, I'm not against it. I, I rock with it, but. All
2: right. Well, before we go, you guys got anything? No, just good night. Thanks for uh, joining us. Yeah, interesting story.
3: Always love being on this podcast. Uh, If you have any questions, comments,
1: recommendation for someone you want us to cover, you can email us at sayhello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com.
2: Do we have any email this week before we wrap this up?
1: Nope. We got no listener feedback this week. Okay. Thanks for bringing it up. I was just going to try and slide past it real quick, but no, we'll just put it out there. I figured
3: figured since you didn't bring it up, that's what (laughs) happened, so I was just like, ah.
2: Well, no, that lets people know, like, hey, now if you uh, drop something on any of the social connections, like, you're going to definitely get on next week's show, like, because, like,
1: hey. Because there ain't none.
2: Now, if he had had just read off 10 fucking fan feedbacks, like, it'd be like, well, I'm not going to email them this week, because I probably won't, like, now they're like, Shit, I'm going to hear myself next week, because...
1: I'm going to scratch uh, Jay off the next episode <laughs> for the next episode.
2: <laughs> Good, I'm going to email you guys so you'll still be talking about me.
1: All right, this is uh, Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening.
3: Deuces.
0: Was down bad, my mama had to be dad. Spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Ayy, ay. So out of money ground a hundred hams. Out of money, grabbed a bunch of <clears> and bands. And I ain't wanna fall victim to that system Or the so fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental life And I still keep it on me runnin' tell your big homie First you meet your dead homie Ayy. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy Ayy. The good guy coming last place Ayy. You smell that dope when I pass by Ayy. I like my money at a fast pass Ayy. Say hello to the bad guy Ayy. I just did the dash, hey, in the fast lane Let my money at a fast pace, look like a drag race Country up in my ass, tray I'm in my bag, hey. Good girl, bad face, slim no waist, and her ass fake hey. yeah, she in love with the bad guy hey. But bad bitches never act right hey. She act up until that bag fly Did it turn around in one night hey. Say hello to the bad guy hey, hey. I come at last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. Hey. I let my money at a fast pass. Hey. Say hello to the bad guy. I come at last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. Hey. I let my money at a fast pass.